Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. After we finished up through 1 John, we are looking at some different verses in Proverbs, and today's going to be entirely different than what I normally do. I, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. I always do. But today, it's going to sound like I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm passionate about what I believe, passionate about the message. I think it's interesting that uh, at 8 o'clock, my microphone wouldn't work. So they gave me a whole new one between the services, and it doesn't work. (laughs) So there may be a little more to this than what we realize. (laughs) This one's working, and I'm going to stay behind the pulpit today so y'all are safe. (laughs) In a moment, I'm going to read from Proverbs 29. Proverbs 14, I'm going to throw in Psalm 33. And since it is Independence Day weekend, we're going to talk about the nation. And you know, it's amazing to me how many pastors will not allow this subject to even come up. I know of two churches in particular today that uh, won't ever allow anything of any patriotism, anything about America ever be mentioned in church. And I think, well, I'm not one of those guys. I'll just put it that way. Doesn't matter what I think. America is a great country. We, uh, we park on the driveway and we drive on the parkway. In America, we put braille dots on keyboards that drive up ATMs. And we put handicapped parking places in front of the skating rink. In America, our feet smell and our noses run. In America, we transport something by car. We call it a shipment. And we transport something in a ship. We call it cargo. In America, we park $30,000 cars on the street so we can store $200 worth of junk in our garages. In America, the number two pencil is the most popular, but it's still number two. In America, we we chop trees down so we can chop them up. In America, we have an interstate highway in Hawaii. In America, when everyone's driving slow, we call it rush hour. This is the best one right here. Only in America do we use the word politics to describe the process so well. Poly in Latin means many, and ticks means blood-sucking creatures. Now, I know they're not all bad. We've got a great one here in our church. So don't, they're not all bad, but, but a lot of them fit that bill, don't they? Make no mistake about it. God was instrumental in why we have this nation. I'll give you one example. At the beginning of the American Revolutionary War, the British commander William Howe in 1776 was moving 30,000 veteran British soldiers to take New York. General George Washington only had 18,000 inexperienced troops. The British troops quickly outflanked Washington, and he lost 1,000 men and two 
top generals. Washington's troops were completely discouraged, and without any reason, the British halted their troops. If they'd kept pressing on into New York, they would have destroyed Washington and his troops, yet Washington and his troops were still trapped on Long Island. The only route of escape was the treacherous East River, and the weather was very bad, and crossing the river seemed impossible. So General George Washington called for a prayer meeting to ask for God's guidance and help. He then decided to attempt to cross the river. It was storming like crazy. Then suddenly, at 11 p.m., the wind died, the rain stopped, the river was as smooth as glass. Washington and his men started crossing the East River, and a gentle breeze came up behind them and pushed them along. But even with this miracle, it would still be impossible to get all the troops across to Manhattan Island before daybreak. And just before daybreak, a thick fog draped over them and hid them from the British troops. When the fog lifted, the British commander, Howe, was shocked. Washington's troops had escaped Washington, and his men recognized God's blessings on America and on that day. America's destiny from here on is going to be determined by how much we remember God. A South American president once said South America was founded by men seeking gold, but North America was founded by men seeking God. Another man said the Spaniards came here for gold, the French came here for gain, but the original colonists came here for God. And I guess the question is, America too far gone? Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to all or to any people. Psalm 33, verse 10 the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. First, let me share with you for a few moments about the futility of man's wisdom. In Psalm 33, 10, it says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. When our country was founded, the requirements of public service... Part of it was a strong commitment and, and the fact that those who uh, came to the Continental Congress, as we call it, or the Constitutional Convention is what I should say, it was common knowledge to the people of that day that there was a strong commitment to God with those people who met. 
And those people knew it then and it was known through history for 150 years until the middle of the last century, about the 60s. And then history books changed and nothing like that was ever taught again. Nonetheless, common knowledge during that time, because statements like what Patrick Henry said, let me quote him, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, they knelt down on the shore and they thanked God for giving them a new country. The worship of Jesus Christ was at the center of every new settlement in this land. And when the Continental Congress faced great problems and difficulties and didn't know which way to turn, Benjamin Franklin called upon the members of Congress to fall on their knees and pray. Our founding fathers of the United States wrote their faith in God in the Constitution, stamped, on, uh, stamped the words in God we trust onto coins, and found great educational institutions on the Word of God. The first three universities, Yale, Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, they were built to train pastors. I want to read to you Romans chapter 1, and see if this doesn't strike a chord with you about our times. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, in sin. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of, mur full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Does that sound like where we live? Man's thinking apart from God is futile. It's leading to destruction. I'm going to talk about a little bit of it. Let's begin with fornication. Open sexual immorality. Now, I want you to know some of the statistics I'm using today are current, and they did not come from a Christian website. They came from secular websites and government websites, so there's no bias toward Christianity in any way. I also want you to know that all of the great civilizations on earth that have existed, when a sexual revolution happened, within three generations, the nation collapsed. History proves it. I'm not making this up. Sexual revolution began in the 60s and 70s of, of last, of the 20s, 20th century. We're looking at now the second, third generation. One out of five Americans today has a sexually transmitted disease or infection. According to the CDC, STDs are very common in the United States. Half, 50% of all sexually active people will get an STD by the age of 25. 68 million people in the United States are infected with a sexually transmitted disease or infection, and more than half of those have sexual diseases that are incurable. In 2018, 26 million new cases, and half of those were youth age 15 to 24. You see, young people, you have a one out of five chances now. If you're sexually active with someone or choosing a partner, you have a one out of five chance that they're already got a sexual disease. You wouldn't fly if you knew that one out of five airplanes was going to crash, would you? You see, there's no such thing as safe sex except through the way God intended it. Through marriage between a man and a woman. A grandson asked his grandpa, what did you wear for safe sex? And he said, a wedding ring. That's the only safe sex there is. And yet, in this day and age, when people don't seem to think anything about it, they've abandoned God on that. And it's not just young people, believe it or not. It's senior adults also. 
I'm not even going to touch abortion because that's been in the limelight, so let's just skip that one. How about homosexuality? You know, we're told today, you will hear the phrase, one in ten, because they want you to believe that 10% of the population is in the LGBTQI whatever else group. Now, that statistic, one in 10, came out in the 50s and 60s in the Kinsey Report, and it's been proven time and time again that the Kinsey Report was very biased toward homosexuality, and even that uh, um, study that, that came out and said, well, you, you were born that way, and then you had a gene, that's been proven false also. So I went to the National Health website, and and the interviews in the 2018 is the most current one I could come up with. They found that 1.9% of men identified as homosexual, 1.4% of women as lesbian, and 0.8 of 1%, 8 tenths of 1% of men, and 1.8% of women as bisexual. In other words, 97.3% of men and 96.8% of women identified as straight. And this means that over time, over the last 25 years, that number has not changed. They do not represent 10% of the population. And more recently, folks, studies have focused on identifying adults who identify as transgender. The most recent large study focusing on this topic found that 0.6% of 0.6 of 1%, 6 tenths of all U.S. adults identify as transgender. And yet, we are bombarded today and forced to deal with it and forced, trying to be forced to accept something that is very minor in the nation because they have the platform. Parents, you young parents, especially with young children, you need to check out movies before you take them. This new movie... Um, Lightyear. It's supposed to be, you know, Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. You don't need to take your kiss to that. There's a homosexual kiss in that movie. Our children are being bombarded with it. There were other things that have come out recently. And yet we're told that it's normal. We're told that they are a big population. It's not true. Pornography. Pornography. The Supreme Court... The Supreme Court ruled in 1996 that the Communications Decency Act is unconstitutional, saying it violated free speech protections of the First Amendment. So it granted to those rights to transmit pornography all over the airwaves, and it runs rampant. And it's involved in people sitting in this room. I promise you it is. Secularism. Taking God out of everything. Humanism. See if this doesn't describe, this is the basic beliefs of humanism. They deny the deity of God, the inspiration of the Bible, and the divinity of Jesus. They deny the existence of the human soul, life after death, salvation in heaven, and hell. They deny the biblical account of creation. They believe there are no absolutes, no rights or wrongs, that moral values are self-determined and situational. You do your own thing as long as it does not harm anyone else. 
They believe in the removal of distinctive roles of male and female. They believe in sexual freedom between consenting individuals regardless of age, including premarital sex, homosexuality, lesbianism, and incest. They believe in the right to abortion, euthanasia, which is mercy killing, and suicide. They believe, listen, they believe in the equal distribution of America's wealth to reduce poverty and bring about equality. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Since 1963, birth rates for unwed mothers between 15 and 19 have skyrocketed. Violent crime is way up since 1963. Sexually transmitted diseases, ages 15 to 19, way up since 1963. SAT scores have plummeted since 1963. Pregnancies have skyrocketed for girls under 15. Divorce rates have soared 1963. What happened? The Supreme Court ruled that no prayer or Bible study in public schools and now in public places. Now, I want to tell you the truth about this. The New York School District required their teachers to direct students to this following prayer. Here's the prayer. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon Thee, and we beg Thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. That's it. The parents of 10 students in the district filed a lawsuit against New York State Court in New York State Court saying that the prayer was contrary to their beliefs and practices, saying that they were violating part of the First Amendment, especially the Establishment Clause, because the government was establishing religion even though it just says God. It doesn't say in Jesus' name or anything else. But the court ended up in, the case ended up in Supreme Court, and it was ruled six to one that forcing students to recite the prayer was a violation of the establishment cause. One Supreme Court justice, Potter Stewart, wrote this. He was the one that dissented. He said, with all respect, I think the court has misapplied a great constitutional principle. I cannot see how an official religion is established by letting those who want to say a prayer say it. On the contrary, I think that to deny the wish of these school children to join in reciting this prayer is to deny them the opportunity of sharing in the spiritual heritage of our nation. We do not live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. You need to understand that. Young people, you haven't been taught this in school. Some of you haven't. It can, and a, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. And here's why. It exists until the voters discover that they can vote themselves money and assistance from the public treasury. And from that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates. Ben Franklin said a democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what they're going to have for lunch. The average age of the civilized nations that have ever existed, the average age is 200 years. Tomorrow is our 246th birthday of freedom in this nation. All of these nations progressed through this sequence. 
from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence back again into bondage. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Man has no wisdom apart from God. Because when we start doing our own thing, you can see the mess we're in today. And it's because, and you wonder, how can people be so demented and so cruel and so violent it's because God's not any part of their life let me speak to you for a moment about the faithfulness of God's word now in Psalm 33 11, it says the counsel of the Lord stands forever what part of forever do you not understand Two things on this earth are eternal, people and God's Word shall last forever. So, when we throw out God's Word, we have no basis to lead. Listen to what some of the founding fathers said. George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Harry Truman said, the basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and Matthew, from Isaiah and Paul. I don't think we emphasize that enough these days. If we don't have a proper fundamental moral background, we will finally end up with a government which does not believe in rights for anybody except the state. Noah Webster, the the dictionary guy, said the principles of all genuine liberty and of wise laws and administrations are to be drawn from the Bible and sustained by its authority. The man, therefore, who weakens or destroys the divine authority of that book may be accessory to all the public disorders which society is doomed to suffer. Will and Ariel Durant in their book, Lessons from Liberty, said there is no significant example in history before our time of a society successfully maintaining moral life without the aid of religion. So let me go back to Proverbs 14.34 and read that verse one more time. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Let me close by talking about the foundation for a nation. Woodrow Wilson said, A nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, nor what it's trying to do. We're trying to do a futile thing if we do not know where we came from or what we have been about The Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God, and the nature of the needs of men. It is the only guide of life which really leads the Spirit in the way of peace and salvation. This is is what we came from. And yet, the young people today aren't being taught that. 
The reason America stood for more than 200 years is that God's been a part of her history ever since her beginning. Benjamin Franklin said, God surely was no idle spectator when this great nation was born in his name and with his grace. And then I hear people bring up that phrase, separation of church and state. Now, you know that one, don't you? That's why some guys won't do what I'm doing today. Listen, did you know, did you know that phrase, separation of church and state, of church and state, is not in the Constitution. It's not anywhere in there. You can't find it. Now, it's in the Soviet Union or the Russia Constitution, but it's not in America's Constitution. The First Amendment says Congress will make no law respecting the establishment of religion nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. Now, here's what Thomas Jefferson said. He's the one that's famous for the separation of church and state. But trust me, he's been taken out of context. I've had that happen to me many times. But listen to what he says. I'm going to read the whole statement. Listen to what Thomas Jefferson actually said. He said, the First Amendment has erected a wall of separation between church and state, but... That wall is a one-directional wall. It keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure that the Christian principles will always stay in government. That's the context of it. The phrase does not appear in the Constitution. Some of y'all are so afraid that I'm going to get in trouble. I'm not going to get in trouble. There's going to be people mad at me. I'm going to get mail, but I'm not going to get in trouble. The first official act of the United States Congress was to select a chaplain. The second thing that the Congress did when it was formed was to purchase 20,000 Bibles to give to the Indians. Every political candidate has political values. When you vote for somebody, they've got values. And why do we think it's okay for a politician to develop his worldview from Karl Marx or Norman Lear, but it's wrong if he develops his values from the Bible? Because in 1776, 11 of the 13 colonies required that one had to be a Christian to run for political office. And in 1777, the Continental Congress voted to spend $300,000 to purchase Bibles for distribution in the nation. 94% of the writings of the founding fathers of the United States contain quotations from the Bible. The state constitutions of all 50 states mentions God. On the first Thanksgiving, who do you think the people were giving thanks to? To God, the famous Liberty Bell has part of Leviticus 25.10 inscribed on it. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land until all the inhabitants thereof. You can look it up yourself, Leviticus 25.10. Part of the scripture, Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It's inscribed above the Los Angeles, California City Hall door. An image of Moses carrying the tablets of God's law 
faces the Speaker of the House of Representatives. The entering president lays his hand on a Bible and concludes his bow, so help me what? God. The Supreme Court, every day it meets, begins its session with, God save the United States and this honorable court. First Vice President and the Second President of the United States, John Adams, wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. John, excuse me, Benjamin Franklin, 1787, at the Constitutional Convention, said, God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow can, cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. It's improbable that an empire can rise without his aid. Or he asked the question, is it probable that it can rise without his aid? No. Gerald Ford quoted a 1955 speech by Dwight D. Eisenhower on December 5th, 1974. Without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and our present and a present help in a time of trouble. Well, one lady said after church vacation Bible school, one of the four-year-old boys rushed home to his father at the close of the evening activities, and he proudly announced that he had learned this Bible verse for the day, Psalm 46.1. And he said, his dad said, that's great, let me hear it. And the little boy said, God is our refuge and strength and our president's in trouble. <laughs> you've heard the term, you've heard the scripture many, many times. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Now, this was a promise of God to his chosen people, Israel. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I believe the principles there. But I do not believe that the state of this nation is because of Christian people. If anything, we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. Now, I'm not saying Christians are perfect, but what can we do? We don't pray for a revival, we're praying for an awakening. Because unless people turn to God, I'm not sure America's going to last much longer. All of the signs are there. I sound like a doom and gloom guy, but I still believe in the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Sometimes I feel like I'm rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. 
And I'm thinking, this ship's going down, but you know what? We need to try to save as many people as we possibly can. And the only thing that's going to save them is not a political party. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we share that with people, when we share that with people, he changes their heart. And they begin to see the things of God. You see, the light is on for us. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of those, lest they believe or lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. We've had our eyes opened by the Holy Spirit. When you ask God to forgive you and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and rose again and you placed your faith and trust in him, God put his spirit in you, gave you life, and the eyes opened to see the truth. And so without Jesus Christ, people don't have life. Benjamin Franklin, at 87 years old, he said, I've lived a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of the truth that God governs in the affairs of man. And again, that quote that I mentioned a moment ago, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice... Is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Abraham Lincoln said, we've forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined that all things were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God who made us. One thing we can do is to pray. I wish I could tell you that it was easy for me to pray for the current administration in Washington. It's not easy for me to pray for them. Because I am 180 degrees the other direction with their policies. But the Lord tells me to pray for them. Because the only chance of them ever changing the way that they lead and the way that they think is for the light to come on. And the only way the light's going to come on is for the Holy Spirit to indwell them. And that only comes when you know Jesus Christ. Am I saying I'm better than him? Not at all. I am a sinner who's been saved by the grace of God. But the light's on. And I see the wisdom of God's word. And, and listen, you may think, well, all you did is just go on a rant and rave about sin. Yeah, I did. But God said it, not me. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. And God put that in place for us. To protect us. To guide us. There's a reason for it. He's not the cosmic killjoy. He loves you and me and wants to give us the best life. The, ab the bundle. i got to stay right here. The best life. I started to roam. The only way you're going to have that life is through Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're watching me online, if you see this on television, and you're mad, you're not mad at me. 
You're mad at God. And God loves you, wants to save you, and he will. Listen, I don't know how much longer the world will last. I'm not predicting the date or anything like that. But it's sure, there are sure, there's sure been some practices, some rehearsals for the tribulation. There's already been some rehearsals for what's going to happen after the Lord returns. And to me, it's just another sign that we're getting closer. But we're to be faithful until that time. But if you don't know Jesus, He's the only one that can save you. He's the one mediator between God and man. It's not any religion. The church does not save you. A religion does not save you. Only Jesus Christ, the gospel does. And the only way our nation is going to function is when the gospel is in the hearts of people. So we must not forget the Lord. And may we never forget our history as a nation. They're trying to rewrite history. We go back. Were those guys perfect? No. Heavens no, they weren't perfect. But I'm so grateful to God that he's had a hand in our nation. And our nation has been instrumental in sharing the gospel around the world. The only thing that will change your heart is Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? If you don't know Jesus, you can today. And that's, that's the only reason all of us are here is because we've just been sinners saved by grace of God. We didn't deserve it. And Lord, I pray for those today that need the Lord. I, I pray that you would show them their sin and how much, you, how much you still love them, how you hate sin. But you love them. And I ask you to show them that the forgiveness is real and it's available through Jesus Christ who paid for it all. The wages of sin was death. You paid for it and rose again. And when people trust you and put their faith in you their sins are forgiven your spirit lives in them and they see they see the light of the gospel Lord I thank you for a a church that loves your truth I thank you for the freedom to preach your word the truth And I know today was different, but I pray, God, it will be used to inspire generations to stand for real truth and not made-up truth. I pray that people would come to know you. And God, we're asking you to bring a, a spiritual awakening to our nation. That people would see the fallacy of human knowledge and wisdom. That they would see that A life apart from you leads to nothing. We pray for our leaders. I thank you for allowing us to have leaders locally and in our state here in Texas that that at least have good policies. They're not perfect. But I thank you for the stand they've taken on life. And I just pray for strength and guidance in their life too. 
Lord, if there's someone needs a church and this is the place you want them to come, I pray they first know you. And if this is the place you want them to come, then you bring them. There may be some that need to be baptized, God. I ask you to give them the courage to follow through with the first act of obedience, which is professing you publicly before others in baptism.